Bandwidth for This Week in Photography is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This Week in Photography is brought to you by Drobo. Find out how you can get your own Drobo at D-R-O-B-O dot com slash twip. Hey, everybody, we're back. Well, we're kind of back. Um, Scott is missing. He's MIA. He is in, uh, he is um, not feeling well today. He's got, uh, he's, uh, evidently, he, he can't talk really loud right now. I think he's been seeing too many birds in, in uh, New Mexico and it's, uh, it's somehow sunk in. Bird calls, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so Scott is uh, going to be taking the week off. Uh, but we have a full crew here. We've got uh, Ron in, uh, in Seattle. Hey, Ron. In Seattle, yep, good to be here. And uh, Fred, Fred Johnson is in uh, San Jose. Is that correct, Fred? I am in San Jose. Yes. And we've got uh, Steve Simon, and uh, you are in New York, I assume. I am in New York. See, I always have to say this because I, I just never know where everybody is. You know, I mean, you know, I was a truck you stop right. every single one. You're like, I know. I'm pretty proud of myself. You were at a truck stop earlier. Uh, last week, I was last uh, week. broadcasting from a truck stop. Did you have? Did you have like one of those uh, those truck stop hats? Yeah, the, the, uh, I did. Yeah, I bet you would look really good in that. I, you know, one of those like so? those like white hats that has this really big, you know, the big front, you know, with a big uh, truck on it. I I know what you're saying. It's it's just part of the glamorous life I lead. You're right. You never know where you'll really find good. me. Last week at a truck stop. Today at home in my underwear. So there's, you know, there's, there's something about there's something there's something about you that really ha- makes me want to see you in a in a in jeans and a flannel <laughs> shirt and like a trucker hat. You know, I think I think that would you know with with all okay. your camera gear. Now I'm getting a little <laughs> uncomfortable. Alex, you should keep that stuff to yourself, man. <laughs> no, the only reason I said that is that there's the only in, in, here in um in. Uh, in uh, Tokyo, the, 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 evidently these trucker hats are like the big thing, and um, and uh, I, I just need a baseball hat, and all I want is a black baseball hat. That's all, you know. I don't want anything special. I just want a black baseball hat, and and all there is is these those those hats, those the big white front, you know, that that has, the, and that's all they have. And so like half the crew hat is wearing these things, and uh, and I just want a little black hat. Well, and, I'm here, and you can picture me in one of those little hats. If you <laughs> Very good. <laughs> we also have Aaron. Uh, Aaron coming in from North Carolina, uh, Virginia. Actually. Virginia? Are you in Virginia now? I'm in Virginia. You've always, always been in Virginia, Virginia, haven't you? <laughs> See, I always Sweet picture Aaron. Virginia. I picture Aaron in North Carolina, and I don't know why. I think we had a discussion about it at some point in time, and so I, I, I was I was batting a hundred until I got to, to Aaron. I probably. No problem. Shouldn't have tried to guess. So, um, so and and uh, a little bit of news. Uh, you know, we're gonna have. I think we're gonna have Fred on more often, aren't we? Aren't we, Fred? You will probably have me more on more often. Yes, uh, turns out I will be a little bit more available to the show going forward. For, you are now a freelancer. I am. Yeah. So just just for those who haven't heard yet, <clears throat> as of a couple of days ago or day before yesterday, I am no longer under the employ of Adobe Systems. Unfortunately, I was caught up in the uh, the reduction in force that Adobe had on Wednesday, and they uh, they cut 600 jobs and and did a bunch of other restructuring. One of which was to eliminate my position. So now I am. Uh, 
in search of <laughs> like, like Leonard Nimoy, uh, much like the other uh, what what was it in November? Uh, Five hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand people, Americans got laid off. So you know, now I am the news. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and can, I I just, think, can I just say huge mistake? Yeah. You know, that's what I said. I was screaming that as I left the building, but no one listened. So, no. <laughs> shaking your fist. Yeah, shaking my fist now. No, it was, you know, it was, Adobe's a great company. I have absolutely nothing negative to say about them. They, uh, you know, they're just, they're suffering uh, from the effects of the economy just like everybody else is. And it's, uh, you know, they had to make some tough choices. And I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure if I had the power to do so, I probably would have done similar, made similar choices. Right. But, you know, from my perspective, from the bottom looking up, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks to be thrown out into, like, you know, the, the Mad Max land of job hunters. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put on my uh, my human skin jacket and get a, you know, get my weaponry ready to go out job hunting. You know, it's, it's a, it is a, um, uh, uh, it just it sounded like a little bit of it was the timing of CS4 coming out right around the same time when everything's slowing down. Yeah. And that's yeah. such I a mean, huge cash. You know, from a, just like a fundamental level, you know, you look at, you know, when people are, are making decisions about money, you know, like, hmm, like, should I should I eat and clothe my kids or should I upgrade? You know, so. Right. Especially you know, when, when you're a big company. You're, you know, it's, 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 it's one thing to have, a, a, you know, a handful of uh, copies of Photoshop, but if you've got, you know, it, it, it now starts to hit us when we look at upgrades. Uh, when we have, you know, we've, we've, you know, a, a while ago we had two or three computers, and now we have, you know, twelve computers that we have to upgrade if we're gonna, um, you know, keep everything in the same thing, and that starts to turn into real money, even if it's only upgrading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's a vicious cycle because it's you know companies like yours that have multiple computers that they need to upgrade. They have to think twice about should I upgrade them, and then. You know, then if you don't, then it impacts the company that's providing the software. Then you know, I get laid off, and then I have to impact. Sorry, sorry I guess that, that, that's my. I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm sorry, I'm, Fred. Fred, I'm sorry. I didn't. It's all I your fault. I if, I, if I'd only known, if I'd only known, I would have bought CS4. You know, last week. Yeah, they said you know. they were like one copy of CS4 <laughs> away from keeping me on. <laughs> hey, can I just say, I, I bet you, you know, out of the thousands of TWIP listeners, and this show is is pretty popular, which we'll find out in a in a minute when we get to the news, but um, I bet you, you know, you're not alone, Fred. I mean, there are a lot of people, and I, I just want to say that, you know, when I left my f- full-time gig and I sort of went into the world of freelancing, I mean, at first, yeah, it sucks when it sort of happens at a time when you're not completely expecting it, but it could be a blessing in disguise, and, you know, from what happens from here on in, you can sort of kind of, you know, do what you kind of want to do, hopefully, uh, in the next few months as you sort of carve your your path to the future so in a, in a way you're free you know the chains are off and anything's possible yeah and that, that's what i've been thinking you know as i you know as i climb out from my my pit of self-pity um you know the, the thing that <laughs> you know i keep thinking about you know what where would i want to go in silicon valley you know or or otherwise what what's the what's the company that i've been lusting at working for and you know, I, I'm I'm coming to a loss right now as to you know where do I want to go. You know, there's of course the big ones you know that everybody wants to work at, but it keeps coming back to Steve like you like you talk about um, like you just talked about. You know, maybe the next step is is you know Frederick Inc. and doing something on my own freelance wise, and that's that's what I've always sort of wanted to do, and that's what I've always wanted to uh, pursue is what it w- what would it be like to be your own boss and just do photography, you know, as a full time gig. Um, now, granted, 
this is probably not the ideal time to be starting a photography business, <laughs> but, you know, you started in the mud, you know, when, when the mud dries, you'll be that much stronger. Absolutely. You and know, Fred, never really I also, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I also hear that Scott is looking for a personal butler, so, you know, you could try that too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll clean his lenses for him. <laughs> yeah. He has a lot of them. You got to be careful with that. So the, uh, but the, um, uh, uh, anyway. So yeah, I think that I think it's going to be. Uh, I'm hoping to get Fred on more different podcasts. So oh yeah. So it was uh, you know I I look at everything from a kind of a selfish uh, me me me, you know kind of thing, and uh, and I'm excited to have Fred on more shows. So it's I'm, you, I'm I think I think you're working too hard. That was that was really my problem. You know, uh, you know, I, yeah, and you know, one of the main reasons that I wasn't on previous episodes, other than some other things that we discussed before off the air, were uh, the uh, this, the the scheduling conflict. I had a standing meeting on the during the time when we record the show that was unbreakable. You know, it was with my boss who you know coincidentally is also no longer with the company but, right. you right. know it was it was with my boss and i couldn't it couldn't break that that uh, that commitment so right. now i get to work out of my home office and i'm sitting in my home office with my cat next to me and uh, recording twip so it's yeah. all good very good uh just a real quick reminder um is uh there's a new linking contest at uh, twipphoto.com and you could win one of uh scott's 88 secret books and one year of free subscription uh, of a free subscription to lynda.com which is awesome and uh, so make sure to uh, keep those links coming in if you need more information go to twipphoto.com uh, there's also an aperture aperture nature photography contest it's offering $3,500 worth of prizes to each photographer who wins a trip to one of four U.S. national parks once again check out twipphoto.com um, also okay this is this is pretty important in the news uh, twip twip is named best of 2008 iTunes, not the best. <laughs> we, we were we were we were in the we were in the list. On the list. We we're on the yeah. list. So um, uh, so uh, the fine. Is that folks, like an Academy Award? Yeah, I'm waiting for the statue. Oh, okay. You know, I, I'm not sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm not just sure. happy to have been nominated. <laughs> God, <laughs> you love us. You really love us. <laughs> Uh, this is very cool. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It, it is. Uh, uh, it, it's. I'm glad that uh, people are listening. I mean, I. I. I, uh, I mean, I kind of approach podcasts in a way that I. I will make them. I just make them because I think you know. The, it's if we have the right mix of people and the subject that we want to cover, you know, we'll do one and see how it turns out. And uh, and I think this is uh, this is uh, a very fun one. I'm really glad that we've just been able to keep it going <laughs> with all of our schedules. Yeah. I think you're like downplaying it a little because when I went to the iTunes and I don't know everything about podcasting, but there are a lot of podcasts out there. Yeah. So to make this list, I mean that's that's pretty good. And you know, I know you and Scott have been in this business f- for a long time, but uh, you know, bravo. Thanks. I'm I'm not used to to uh, it's not just us. It's I mean it's the whole it's the whole group. So everyone give a give yourself a pat on the shoulder. You know, good job. Good job. So, uh, and you know the cash prizes are great too. <laughs> oh. Wait a minute, where's the cash prize? I know I haven't. I had, no one told me about the cash prize. Scott probably bought a new camera with it. That's what. That's what. That's what happened. So yeah. So uh, also, and uh, uh, you know, ironically, uh, Eddie uh, Photoshop Lightroom Two is an Eddie winner. Um, now it's uh, now. What's going to happen with Lightroom Two as far as uh, management of it? Do we know, Fred? 
Uh, you know, I can't talk about any of that stuff, okay. but I can tell you that the, the 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 Lightroom team overall is is you know intact. they're they're really strong and they're intact and they're you know they're they're pressing forward. So Great. I don't I don't think anyone should take anything away f- or the message away from uh, the layoffs that Lightroom is in any way going to be impacted. In fact, they're just you know they'll power forward probably even stronger than before. So Great. look out. Excellent. So it's it's not going to be an aperture plugin. <laughs> no. <laughs> am I allowed to say stuff no. like that? I'm just kidding. You're allowed to. Yeah, I, guess I am too. But <laughs> what are they going to do? What are they, they going to do? I'm going to go missing. Lightroom dominates and will continue to dominate. So. <laughs> Nikon officially introduces the D3X. Uh, I think we, we really talked about this uh, last week, and it was unofficial. I think I don't. I think we our unofficial news was as accurate as the official news, right? There wasn't any changes. No big no, surprises. I saw the only, the only interesting thing to me was I had sort of wondered if it was a Sony sensor or not. And I've, I'm seeing people that with a little more information talk about it. And it may be, it was interesting because apparently Nikon uh, does things like just basically purchases time in this, the Sony uh, fab. I mean, like they actually just like take over one of their factories sometimes. <laughs> so it's probably sort of a, and then you're not allowed to look. They're okay. like, "Don't look. We're gonna do something with you. We're gonna we're gonna move the box <laughs> around." And uh, yeah, we're gonna yeah. yeah. So it's kind um, of interesting, but yeah, for the most part, it's it's what we talked about last week. Have you guys seen all this kind of crazy negative talk on all the blogs about the eight thousand dollar price tag? A lot of people mm-hmm. are are just livid about it. They're 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 just. I mean, I'm disappointed. I was hoping it'd be a little less, but I mean, there's real strong sentiments against that. It's, I mean, it's that was, ugly. It was a great post that you. Yeah, I read. I read the post you did, Stephen. It's a great point that you know, Canon's had a camera in this price range for years, and you know, I, I mean, sure, it'd be nice if it could come out at a lower price point, but you know, level. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a high end, especially. Right. Oh, now we're yeah. now we're losing Ron a little bit here. So, uh, uh, sure. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, yeah, here's the thing Stop I say. hitting the mute button, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great. I make it sound like static. You know, you know, if I, if I just, if you just kind of tap it, you know, like a, you know, it, it doesn't sound like I just yeah. turned them off there. So the, uh, I finally say something intelligent on the show and it cuts out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, uh, and, um, I guess I'm not, I wasn't, um, uh, I'm not that ex- I mean I'm not that excited about it I guess I I feel like I'm I, I, Nikon has done such a big uh such a good job about talking about it's not megapixels and then they give us a really high megapixel camera and it's not going to be you know the light sensitivity is not going to be the same as the as the D3 right Well you know the the one thing that you know obviously there's all this chatter no one's really no one knows. you know had their hands on it there's a few sample images out there but you know it'll be very interesting because you know as we've often discussed it's it's not the quantity of megapixels you know it's often the quality but there's some chatter that this this sensor is is really something special and Nikon is kind of looking at it sort of as a medium format uh, comp competitive kind of uh, entry into that that arena. So I mean, we'll we'll see what it actually um, will deliver. It'll it'll right. be very interesting. Nice. You know, I was Your talking friend. to a friend of mine. Uh, it was at Marcus Bell. Uh, he's a wedding photographer out of Australia who happened to get his hands on a D3X early, and he did a blog post with some sample images. And uh, he he basically said that it's a great camera. You know, he loves it. It's basically, you know, like the D3 with a couple of 
extra things like a larger sensor, etc. But uh, what he did say was because the frame rate is lower than the D3 that he didn't see it particularly as a wedding shooter's camera, which I would think is one of the biggest markets for that that body. So I don't know. I mean, it's 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 interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what what happens with that thing. For me, I have a I have a D3 right now and a D700, and I'll tell you that I'm. I find myself shooting with that D seven hundred like ninety percent of the time because it's just light, it's good, it's you know, it's easy to flick around. So in a lot of ways, that's kind of the that's kind of the sweet sweet spot for you, and you're still getting a lot of the good low light uh, response. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same sensor in the D as in the D three, and it's uh, it's got a the UI in the, in the menuing system seems more intuitive to me. It's smaller. I threw a little hand grip on there, and I you know put my little lens on there. I'm good to go for the whole day. And you know the D three is great. I love it. I'm not knocking it, and I'll shoot with it all the time. But it is when you walk out with that thing, especially if you slap a, a you know a seventy to two hundred mil lens on there. You are a photographer. And <laughs> <laughs> you get paid. And, and some people like that. Know? Yes, and, and, and that's necessary. I mean, that's that, that's good for uh, you know. There's a, there's a in the in wedding photography specifically. There's always a big thing about having with video cameras. You know, you could probably walk out there and shoot something really great with a with a little HV20 or HV30, but everyone comes with a big camera because that says you're spending money. Yeah, know, so. and there, there's there's a fantasy out there going around that Nikon is planning on some sort of a a rangefinder camera with this D3X sensor in it. Ooh. Like how how wouldn't that be something? That, that would, would be cool. That would be awesome. So hopefully we'll see that. Nikon is also shipping a GP1 GPS unit uh, this month. So um, this is going to fit. Uh, this is a um, the GP1. Uh, is designed to c- connect with the uh, the D90, it ha- um, as well as the 10-pin uh, remote socket of the D3, D3X, D3, D700, D300, D200. So it's, this is for the uh, the kind of upper, or I guess not uh, even medium to upper end uh, SLRs. Um, and this will now does this put the the GPS data into the metadata? Do we? Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. how. So, it does, uh, and that's the cool thing about it is is you know it's sort of an integrated solution. Um, it's expensive. I mean, I, I really expect some cheap knockoffs to show up in the you know one hundred and twenty dollar range, and that's what I would be looking at personally. Right. How does it how does it fit on the cameras? I mean, what what does it go on the, the it hot shoe? Oh, okay. Yeah. So making the D three even more impressive. Pretty soon, you're just got to roll that out in a, with a dolly. <laughs> go shooting. Just get a steady cam for it. You know, you'll be set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Reuters has also posted uh, best of 2008. Uh, Reuters has assembled uh, 135 images uh, from its photographers worldwide for the pictures of 2008 gallery. So uh, we'll put that. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, but I thought the best was still yet to come. We still have time. I know. I mean, well, you know, it's still Christmas coming, but uh, uh, I guess they they had to jump the gun. I, I don't know why they do this. In December. It really belongs in January, uh, you know, but because you really have to go all the way up to the 31st. You never know what's going to happen. Um, and, I, and what happens? Does, do you just stop, you know, you just know that you're not getting the awards in from December like 10th to the <laughs> to the uh, the end of the, because that's not going to count for next year either. You know, I mean, you know, you're screwed because you're not going to be able to get an award for anything after, J- you know, anything before January 1st and the award has already been nominated. In fact, it probably started in the middle of November. <sighs> it's very upsetting. Anyway, but check it out because it's uh, it's a lot of good photos. Um, Leica M lens is uh, announced for the Panasonic G1 uh, adapter. Uh, have you guys seen the G1? 
Mm-mm. So I was I I I, uh, I was at the craziest big camera store in the world yesterday. In the world, B and H photo. It was not B and H photo. You know, you'd think it was, but since I was in Japan, um, that it was not. It was. It's called uh, Yodobashi Akiba. Oh, uh, Yodobashi, uh, love it. And uh, and it's in. Uh, you know, it's it, it's uh, in Ak- Ak- uh, Akihabara. 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 Yep. And uh, it was just kind of, I guess, the center of buying electronics. And I didn't even get to the rest of the the area because all I did is I came out of the subway. Um, a, a fellow named David Scott, who's a who's a listener in uh, in in Tokyo, was uh, showing me around, and and uh, uh, we got. He just said, "Well, I have to show you this place." And we went up to the third floor, and it was just the most insane. I mean, it was it's bigger than B and H. I mean, it's wow. it's it is, and it's and that's only one of six floors. You know, you know the the uh, you know it's got there's a floor for computers, and then there's a floor for games, and there's a floor for. Um, uh, photography there's a floor for i mean it was the most insane thing i'd ever seen and i bought a camera because i was you know i was there i was there i was over i was i was i was swept up in the moment i was like i have to buy a rico (laughs) 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 so i bought this (laughs) with japanese instructions right it did it did it came with a japanese manual (laughs) you know the thing is is at least we're nice enough when when we when we get a when we get a um uh a camera in the United States. There's Japanese instructions in it, but there's also English instructions in it. You know, there's it, there's English in there, but no, this one's all Japanese. So I'm just kind of wandering through, and it's Japanese menus, which makes it more exciting. Um, but uh, no, but I, I figured out how to turn it to English menus. Um, no, it has one feature that I can't find on a currently shipping camera or a new camera, which is time lapse. I guess the G9 uh. had time lapse, but the G the G10 does not have time lapse, and no one thinks that. You know, it, it's not even in the marketing spiel of the camera, the R10. This is a little $230 camera. It's like a little all-auto, you know, crap fest for the most part. But the, um, uh, but the, but it has time lapse. And uh, Stu Mashwitz and I were talking about this. And uh, what I want to do is be able to sit it on something and be able to shoot people building movie sets, you know, over time. You know, I got to say, you know, the G9, I had seen some time-lapse work from the G9, and I thought that was one of the coolest thing about that camera. It's it's really neat. Well, and I, and I and I and I was and I would have picked up a G9 if they had had it there because the thing is is that I I'm you know, you know what's funny is in Amazon, the G9 is is holding a price that's higher than the G10. You know, and mm-hmm. usually I use that as an indicator that somebody at the company screwed up. It means that they cut something out that's important to people. You know the the uh, and I think that 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 time lapse. The, the, what's missing is is the the R10 doesn't really give you like you can't set it to all manual. So so what'll happen is it'll flicker if I'm shooting inside and people are moving around and stuff like that. But um, I can fix that later. I, I have the technology. But the uh, um, uh, but anyway, so I I needed a time lapse camera and uh, that's that's where I went to get it. But I saw one of these G1s and they're. They are the cutest little SLR cameras. <laughs> They're so cute. It's, it's like it's like an SLR camera, but it's tiny. It's like it's like, a, it's like a little baby SLR. You know, you, you kind of expect that if you leave it, if you use it for a year, it'll like grow into a uh, into a, a larger camera, and if you use it for a decade, it might grow into a D three. You know, I mean, it's it's a it's like this, but it's like tiny. Um, uh, I, I heard I, really good things about that camera, the G one. It looks, as I said, it looks, it looks nice. It, it's, it, it, uh, 
it's smaller. Like you could easily put it into a smaller, you know, bag or whatever. I guess that's what it's. You know, I'm not sure the entire design. I hadn't. I had heard about it, but I hadn't really thought much of m- much of it. But it's. Uh, p- people should definitely check it out. It's. It's a. It's a. It's a fun. It's a fun looking uh, camera, just much smaller. So if you like the SLR, uh, if if you thought, oh, I want an SLR, but I don't want something that big and bulky, um, then that is the. Uh, uh, it's it's a pretty nifty little camera. It's um, creating a whole new problem for photographers because you know you'll have your little carry around camera, then you'll have your little mini system, the G one <laughs> cute mini system, then you'll have your D seven hundred, Fred, when you go out, or then when you want to look like you're a photographer, you'll have your D three. I mean, man, it's it's getting pricey. <laughs> you know, if, if, you, if you had like a D three and a bunch of these little G ones, it would look like it would look like you had a little family. You know, it, it, like like big big duck and little ducks. You know, you put a bunch of little lens, different lenses Alex, on it. Alex, you've been in Japan too long, I think. <laughs> you need to come home. <laughs> also, uh, Leica and Fujifilm uh, have firmware updates, so check those out if you have a Leica or a Fujifilm, uh, cam- uh, Fujifilm camera. And uh, um, Alien Skin Software announced Bokeh Lens Simulation plugin for photoshop and in, in general uh i haven't used this one yet the uh the alien skin software is uh, I, I think i have just about everything else they make so um i really enjoy a lot of what they're doing but this is uh designed to really it's based on the mathematics uh to give you sophisticated enough that are sophisticated enough to produce a natural blur and creamy creamy highlights I, i've always is it, it's not bokeh it's it's bokeh i think isn't it I, oh, I always thought it it's was both. both. You know, while you're over According there. According to Wikipedia, it's both. Bokeh, Boca, <laughs> bo- bo- whatever. It's Boca, Bokeh. <laughs> while you're over there, Alex. Wait, wait. Bokeh, Boca, And we're just kind of them just edit together. You know, it's, uh, I should because it is a Japanese term and, uh, and, uh, and I am constantly corrected no matter what I, what I say there. So, uh, <laughs> so I, 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 I am, uh, so the, um, uh, anyway, so yeah, but it, it, whatever it does is it makes the background blurrier really in a really nice sort of way. Um, you know, this is actually a really. Uh, I'm going to post a, a little video of um, of uh, it'll be well, it'll be either next week. Or, I think next week we have the uh, the video coming out from with Greg Downing, but the the week after that uh, of I, I used um, the just Photoshop's lens blur and it actually worked surprisingly well. Uh, I hadn't really. Have you guys used that at all? Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah. So so I had a I shot a picture that was you know the the slate for the movie that we're working on uh, was just sitting just standing it just looked interesting because it was standing on the uh, um uh, just standing up in the grass and I figured well I'll just take a photo of that now I didn't have my my SLR with me and I'm kind of used to having that kind of short depth of field and I took the photo with my little uh, with my little LX3 and uh, and it just looked like a snapshot you know it just it just was you know it was not um, it, it, everything was in focus, and uh, so what I did is I just ran a simple gradient from front to back, and and kind of separated the the actual slate from it, and ran the lens blur. And I was really surprised at how nice the uh, the depth of field, the simulated depth of field, uh, worked. I haven't used it a lot, and it, it worked. Have you have you guys played around with uh, fo- what is it? Focal point from On One Software. It's a plugin for Photoshop. No. It it uh, basically what it does is it simulates a lens baby effect where you can have oh, wow. you know sele- selective uh, blurring either in the foreground or the background. You can tilt the blur on a three D plane. This is really really wow. interesting. I've used it a lot, and it's uh, it's 
you know, it's it's not the same as having a swing tilt camera but right. it, or a swing swing tilt lens, but it's uh, it lets you do some interesting effects on images that would have otherwise not been good. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think Steve is appalled by the whole thing. <laughs> He's not, he's not even talking. He's, he's, not, he's rolling his he's eyes. Like, I can hear it now. Just, hup, 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 I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm not going to chime in. I'm just going to let the conversation run its course. And, you know, I'm not telling anybody what to do. <laughs> so, so the, uh, so the, um, uh, also, uh, finally, the, this is this is always interesting. You always see these photos, these iconic photos, and it's always interesting to see the people behind it. There was a uh, in the uh, online photo, uh, online photographer. This is uh, from. Uh, Actually, this was in this was on CNN. I think this was uh, this is in CNN.com. They actually um, talked to one of the people that was in you know in the last depression. I guess they're kind of you know prepping us here. Um, in the last depression, you know they they had the iconic photo of the mother with her her kids, and um, they were actually uh, they actually the, the one of the kids is still is uh, is still alive. And so they um, they showed her, and I, I always find that to be you know kind of a where where are they now kind of thing. Um, mm. Very interesting uh, story. Cool. I mean, it, you know, it reminds me of that. Uh, the National Geographic went back and found the woman in their sort of iconic image, right? And uh, in the in the uh, with the woman with the girl from uh, Afghanistan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this one, and this is you know, this is all you know, probably as iconic an image. Just you know, with the, for those of us, those of you that haven't seen this, the Dorothea Lange photo from the Great Depression, and uh, such a you know, really well-known image. Yeah, so. I think it's a stamp, actually. I think it's on a stamp. But the interesting thing, you know, when you talk about the power of photography, um, she said the, the little girl was four years old, and now she's 77. She said oh. it brought shame and determination to the family. And as it turned out, you know, they, the kids all ended up working hard. And from what this little piece said, uh, you know, we're, we're quite successful in getting out of that, you know, just, you know, the, the poorest of the poor kind of situation they were in. Yeah. And the photo contributed. You know? Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that a lot of times that 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 kind of photo can bring things to uh, you know to people's uh, focus. You know, so it's uh, um, the uh, uh, so definitely check that out. We're going to put a link in the show notes to the CNN area. Uh, the uh, site of the week: Why we love film. Ron, can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, this I, this is kind of a fun one. It's Ken Rockwell talking about the. You know, why, why film is still viable and there, there's a lot of great points in there I mean he he, he shows some examples of you know something that he shot on film uh, compared to, to digital and you can still see that film has some advantages you can still get higher resolution out of film you still have better dynamic range and better handling of that dynamic range than digital in a lot of cases and he kind of makes a point that if you uh, you know if you if you shoot film but then have it immediately scanned you know, you, your workflow still ends up being a reasonable thing. You still have the archived stuff. And he kind of goes off on a tangent and talks about the benefits to the point of where it's a little bit ridiculous and there's a lot of straw man arguments. But we'll put, we'll put the link in the show notes. It's definitely worth looking at because it's not, you know, it's easy this, these days to say there's a clear advantage of digital over, over photochemical, but it's really not the case yet. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, <clears throat> I, I think it's coming, but I, I think that... Uh, uh, you know, I I couldn't imagine going. I don't think any of us do, does. Does anyone shoot film at all ever? 
Never. Never. No, and I, I couldn't imagine going back. I think. You know, my my turning point was really I was in I was actually shooting in Zimbabwe and I and I uh, had shot a bunch of photos with my my last Canon film camera. And, uh, and I shot a bunch of photos with this little Olympus something or other, you know, some little box camera. And all I knew was that I had my, cam- I had my photos and, they, and uh, the photos that I ended up using a lot of were the ones from the, uh, you know, I had the, the, the film developed, you know, while I was down there. And the, the film was fine, but the prints were just, you know, atrocious. And I was just tired of, I just wanted to have the photo that I shot with me the, when I shot it. And I just, mm. and I, and I uh, probably started a little early. That was 2000. Um, that I that I started uh, moving digitally, but but uh, but man, I just uh, I could never go back to to film. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I'd like you know not being able to see what I'm shooting when I'm done with it. I mean, the moment I pull the trigger uh, is uh, would be unnerving at this point. <laughs> Ron, Ron, in your es- in your estimation, if you if you shoot 35 millimeter film and scan that in on a you know a, say a reasonably priced under five hundred dollar film scanner. Is that resulting file the same as what you'd get from a medium to high end digital SLR? Yeah. Well, the point that Ken Rockwell makes is that he he claims it's actually still better that uh, you get higher resolution off of film if you've got a good you know, good setup, and uh, you know it, it, it's not everything. But his point is that if you look at even some of these uh, photography magazines, you know he, he cited one example. I don't know how prevalent it is, but. You know, the cover to the latest, I don't remember which magazine he mentioned, uh, was still shot on film. You know, that for landscape photography especially, where, you know, you don't need immediate feedback. It's not super fast like sports shooting. But all you're really worried about is dynamic range, color representation, uh, and resolution. That uh, film, you know, if you really do side-by-side comparison, film still wins. For the moment. I had heard, I had heard that uh, a 35-millimeter frame is sort of at its highest level, equivalent to a 24-megapixel uh, sensor. So we're kind of oh. there now, I guess, according to, to the, the real technical argument. But Ken, Ken Rockwell, he's a bit of a potster, is he not? I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of things on the, on the various blogs that kind of, you know, a lot of... Not he's controversial. Controversial. Uh, no, you, yes. You, you, don't, you don't put an article up like this without some intention to just be controversial because clearly there are advantages and like I said there's a lot of straw man arguments he makes about you know shooting film is good as opposed to digital because on digital you might walk into the street and get hit by a bus because you're looking at the back of your camera you know (laughs) 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 so you know he he claims I mean clearly it's got to be a little bit tongue in cheek because he cites you know safety as the example so if you're shooting digital wear a helmet if you're using film, yeah. it's not so necessary. <laughs> wow. But, uh, you know, but it, you know, the, di- the dynamic range and the color representation, the color accuracy are, are valid. Yeah. No, I, I, think that, I think that there's still times when I'm shooting outside where I know I don't have the range that I, uh, that I would have on film. You know, I think that that's always something with, when you're shooting digitally, especially the highlights. You're, you're always, uh, um, I'm a little afraid of them. Um, you know, compared to where I would be. Yeah, well, and they, they don't—they just don't clip. I mean, that's the thing. You, right. you, know, you can push and pull film so much more than you can digitally. You know, something yeah. that's that's pure white in in digital—that's it. You know, it's clipped. Yeah. As, as an old to as an ode to the old days, when I switched completely over to digital, I ended up getting a four by five sort of speed graphic type camera, which I have and I plan to use, but I just haven't used it yet. 
So, and I know a four by five yeah. would give you resolution that will, you know, kill. But yeah. I just haven't haven't gotten into it. I don't yeah. know if I ever will. Right. Yeah. So we have. Uh, speaking of photos, we have we have a winner for our photo assignment. Uh, this was uh, from. Uh, it's called Holding Up the Moon. This is by Wild Vine Photography. And uh, do you guys see this photo? Yeah, it's just. I, I, the, I don't know how long it took. <laughs> to, uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's perfect. Well timed. Yeah, very, very well yeah. timed. That that is uh, that's quite a photo. Either, either that a really, really good Photoshop. You know, but uh, <laughs> right. but but uh, but if it, uh, I'm assuming this was this was shot. It was just a great, great setup. Um, this was uh, yeah. So holding the moon, it's got a obelisk that's kind of with the moon right on top of it. So definitely check that out. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, and congratulations to Wildvine Photography. We've got a new assignment for everyone. Um, humor. And no clown pictures. Uh, oh, that's that's, uh, that's Aaron. Aaron was like, no clown pictures. But you can put whatever you want. You can, Aaron, Aaron won't be funny. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, you know. I think Aaron had a bad clown experience. Yeah. So, Aaron, do you want to talk about it? Or? Yeah. Okay, maybe. No, no. <laughs> he starts twitching. No, no, I can't talk about it. I can't talk about the. I can't talk about the clowns. So the um, but uh, so humor is the next one. So get get your cameras out. Um, this was uh, straight lines was fantastically uh, popular, and and we had uh, some incredible submissions. And so uh, hopefully we'll see as many with uh, with humor. Um, also, uh, you know you can you can uh, get into uh, you know we have the the Flickr and uh, critique groups on uh, the discussion and critique groups on Flickr, and uh, you can get links to those at twipphoto.com. And uh, our last poll results: Have you ever had your camera or lenses stolen? Only only twelve point six percent said yes. So eighty seven point four percent have never had uh, their their camera stolen or, or lenses stolen. I've had we we should. We should have like a poll of have you ever lost anything? Hey, no, would, no, yeah, Alex. no, <laughs> no, I, I don't think we needed to go there. You know, you know, it's, it's, uh, oh man, it's I've like, been there too. I, I've, I've lost the cameras. I've had them stolen. I've, I, I have all kinds of ways of getting rid of cameras. Um, that, that I like to leave a piece I, you know, behind. I, that's every place insurance is. That's what that's what insurance is for. Yeah, the problem with insurance is, yeah, the, is I, the deductible. Well, you know, the nice thing is that you know, I get I get to upgrade you know my camera. So I, I've only had my camera gear stolen once, but it was kind of fun because I had good insurance at the time, and I'm like, <laughs> I get to buy a new camera. You know, I, I think that at times, especially as cameras get older, you know, it's like you know this one. Is, you know, if if uh, this one disappeared, you know, we I could buy something newer and better with uh, with the money. So, if you have a good insurance company. So the uh, so anyway all so I can say is if if somebody if somebody steals my camera please steal all the lenses also so that I could you know upgrade everything at once <laughs> go for it right? you, Ron, you, you know, I don't know if you want to make that call you know you know you know some people have um, you know in uh, some people you know if you if you go to their if if, if you you see little signs you know that um, where I grew up you know say insured by Smith and Wesson or you know beware of dog and everything else and Ron Ron's is if you're gonna take it go take it all. Yeah, please don't apparently, do it halfway. Uh, Ron, uh, apparently your insurance agent's a real twipper. He's always listening. <laughs> and now you're screwed. So, so now uh, next, the new poll is how many days of the week do you shoot? So, uh, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They don't have eight here. I'm, I'm not really sure what happened. To, I, I think I think uh, you know Scott wasn't really paying attention here, but uh, but um, uh, zero there is the problem. 
Oh, zero. <laughs> I don't get it. We list, I like to listen to Twit, but I don't actually take any photos. So, um, so yeah, I guess we probably should put zero there, but we're going to assume that you it's at least one. So do you guys shoot it almost every day? I wish no. I could say I did, but no. Okay, I I'll shoot, say I do. I shoot weekly. I'm a weekly guy. If it's if it's not people, then it's just uh, normal, just like a photo walk with some people around town or something. Right. But try to pick it up at least once a week. So that's how, a, how about you, Alex? Are you shooting every day? You know, I I uh, I do shoot every day. So I um uh, I, I mean I I think it's it's very very rare for me not to shoot something every day now it may be like reference photography or or something like that but it's it's rare for me not to have a camera in my pocket you know and now i have to admit that sometimes it doesn't really count because it's not like i'm shooting <laughs> I, I i i use my camera for everything from uh, notes to uh like if i uh, i'm so used to it now that if i if i if i want to buy something or, or i want to remember something i just pull my camera out and take a photo of it you know and i don't i don't want to write it down i don't want to think about it later it'll end up in my in my in my photo library and i'll and i'll put it in its little folder of things i need to get or things i want to pay attention to so i i I take it for as much just personal reference as i use for you know to take to remember stuff so um what do you guys think about the idea i think i brought up last time but scheduling time to shoot you know every week because i mean i think a lot of us will say we're not shooting as much as we'd like but maybe we need to actually work it into our schedules to actually you know do it i i'm thinking that might work for me i don't know about the rest of you guys well, I, I think that um, uh, if, if I think with anything, if, if you're having trouble getting to it, you know, giving it some time. I mean, I think all of us have busy schedules, and uh, and photography should be an important part of our busy schedule. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like uh, um, Wheaties. You know, Wheaties for your for your eyes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you're really stretching there, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna come back from Japan with some Hello Kitties. I know. <laughs> it's starting. It's starting to sink in. That's all I can say. You know. So, so <laughs> you know that translates better in Japanese. You know. Lost in translation. So. Um. Off to our Q and A. Uh, we have uh, we've got um, a lot. We get a lot of uh, questions. I don't think we'll even get to them all today. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, so the um, but but let's uh, dive into them. We they've been building up. We got to get more of them out than we you get in most of our shows. Uh, first uh, question uh, is from uh, Dennis Avery, and uh, this is uh, you know his question is he said I love your show and I never miss it. Okay, I I recently bought. A D90, after listening to the show, my first true DSLR. Um, And uh, he said, my problem uh, is this. When I shoot outdoors, it seems to be getting slightly washed, a slightly washed out look as if it was exposed, it was overexposed a little bit. Uh, regardless of what the what lens I use, eighteen to one hundred five, for example, uh, this this occurs in auto mode. Uh, can this be adjusted in the camera for auto mode? Um, and uh, so his question is: Is how, uh, why would it be getting washed out? Do you guys have any ideas? Uh, well, I'll, I'll just, yeah, lots of ideas. It's hard to say. He's a new guy. He's a newbie. Mm-hmm. So is it looking washed out on the back of his camera? I right. mean, the the best thing for him to to do would be to check the histogram. If right. the histogram's okay and it looks washed out, don't worry about it because mm-hmm. everything's going to be fine in the computer. Right. Ron, were you say were you? Uh, 
Or did we lose Ron? Well, I mean, you got you got to wonder if it's you know. Am I still? Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, you, you got to wonder if, you know, if he says it's only outdoors, if he's getting, you know, some kind of lens flare, you know, you just try putting a, a lens hood on his on his lenses, make sure that's not something that's doing it. Um, you know, his metering mode, there's a variety of meter, metering modes you can set on there. He may be doing uh, too broad or too, too much of a spot metering. Yeah, just way too many things to kind of figure out what it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, you use the, the the other thing to know is that if it's a little washed out, if it's really washed out, obviously you want to figure it out. If it's a little washed out, sometimes things will look that way, and you can also do some of that. If you've already taken the photos, you can do some of that correction by just correcting the levels or curves in Photoshop. So um, some mm-hmm. of that can be gotten. If it's too if it's too washed out, you're going to lose data. So uh, hopefully you can also put the exposure compensation to minus a third. So that, you know, that will maybe, if it really is washed out, then that will bring it down or even minus two-thirds. Right. So definitely, and almost all these little cameras now have histograms. And if you're wondering if things are really coming out well, and I think we did a, a video about histograms uh, early on in TWIP. So uh, you might be able to go into the TWIP archives, and we talked a little bit about, you know, how, how histograms work um, and uh, what you should be looking at. So uh, go back into the TWIP archives and, uh, and check that out. Um, and, uh, but, but really, you know, you're looking at that little area and that's the population of pixels from black to white. And, uh, if, if you don't see the, the whites getting cut off, if you see all that, that the histogram going and just getting cut off at, uh, on your, uh, on the right side, you're in trouble. <laughs> as, as Ron was talking about with film, there's, there's no data there now. And, uh, you know, there's going to be, you know, and so that's going to be a problem. And so you want to, you know, if you, if you if you think it might be a problem, definitely have that thing turned on uh, at least some of the time or at least when you're reviewing things to uh, to figure that out. Um, the next question is, uh, and I think this one's actually a pretty interesting one. This is uh, from Jason, and uh, it, it is, um, uh, he said, uh, he said, I've got a question uh, if you're interested. Uh, when, I hear, when I hear talk about resolution, people are using PPI and DPI inter- interchangeably. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know the difference, but was wondering if you could clarify uh, the difference. And um, Aaron, do you have a good uh, definition of this? Well, <laughs> it can get kind of complex, um, depending on how you look at it. And um, we'll put the, some links to Wikipedia in the show notes as well, because just for the sake of the answer here, I did drop in some quotes from Wikipedia. Uh, in a nutshell, PPI a lot of times is going to refer more to anything that's on a monitor, a scanner, a sensor, on a camera. DPI is more often associated with uh, with printing output. The thing about DPI is you're dealing more with density. Um, you know, the size of the dots can vary. Uh, and I'll just read a little segment here that comes out of um, that comes out of Wikipedia just for sake of clarity. But uh, it says PPI can also describe the resolution in pixels of an image to be printed within a specified space. So, for instance, a 100 by 100 pixel image that's printed in a one inch square could said to be 100 pixels per inch, regardless of the printer's DPI. So if that helps a little bit. Yeah, and, and PPI, I think a lot of times when people are talking about it, is how dense the, 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 the pixels are on your monitor. Because a monitor can be, while it may be 1920 by 1080, you know, how, how tightly packed those pixels are. Um, the dot pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So is, is uh, you know, um, makes a difference there. And uh, the, um, I think the thing that is most important for people to take away oftentimes is, the, is that, Really, all you care about is, and this is something that I think people getting into photography, digital photography, get into is, is uh, knowing that it's just pixels. Like you, what you really care about when you're working on your photography at the beginning, 
is how many pixels by how many pixels. A lot of people will ask you, well, you know, it's 133 DP or or or, or, or whatever DPI. It's going to be. Um, oh, it drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is really effective. <laughs> DPI is not is not resolution. DPI yeah. Is, is an instruction to a device for how to display something. So right. Instruction to your printer for how to print it. But it is nothing, you know, it's a, what's the resolution? Well, it's 300 DPI. That means nothing unless you know how many pixels are in there. And that and then you can figure out, you know, how, what's the resolution as it's going to be printed. Right. Yeah. It, 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 the, um, and, and so that, that's the, uh, uh, it, this is something that just k- kills people is that they, they end up with these really small photos because they were making some kind of adjustment. And they were thinking, well, I kept it at 72, D, you know, or 300 DPI or whatever, whatever they have it set to. But the only thing you really care about when you're looking at your photos in Photoshop is how many pixels by how many pixels. And then when you decide you're going to print it, you can worry about, you know, what the, uh, you know, what that final resolution is going to be. But yeah. but the uh, but that's um, but people can get you, know, you can throw away a lot of data by accident if you're not. You don't attention. want to make a one to one correlation because if an image and and again there is another example we'll put in the show notes here. But if an image is a set number of pixels, you know, a thousand by a thousand pixels. You know, printing it at different uh, DPI's is going to change the physical size of what's printed because you're you're dealing with the density of the print at that point. Right. So the printer will have to increase its density in order to retain a certain size for an image that has X number of pixels. So there's there's not a one to one correlation between the two. And then of course we haven't even talked about line screen. <laughs> oh, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll, that'll so be a couple couple months ago, or or actually earlier in 2000, we had uh, a guest on the show. Remember Andrew Darlow? He mm-hmm. had the book 301 Inkjet Te- Tips and Techniques, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking in his book right now, and his tip number 19 is learn the difference between DPI and PPI, strangely strange enough. And I'll just read it really quickly. He says, designers, photographers, and others who work with digital files often misunderstand the difference between the terms DPI and PPI. DPI, or dots per inch, is used to define a printer's resolution. For example, many inkjet printers can print a certain number of dots per inch, and this can be specified in the printer's software as a number, such as 360 DPI. PPI 720 or 1440. PPI or pixels per inch represents a digital image's resolution on a monitor or in a digital file. The number of pixels across a distance of one inch, such as 200 PPI or 300 PPI, etc. So, and that's exactly yeah. So so that the uh, um, so definitely uh, worth paying attention to. As I said, the big thing to I, I still think the thing to pay attention to is how big the picture is. You know, I'm, yeah. I just want to look at how many megapixels, how many uh, how many pixels are going across because you can always get it to go out to those things. And so, so it, Alex, if you're printing to like a, a reasonably high end, say an Epson printer, like a 3800 or a 1900 or something, uh, do you do you have a set? Uh, DPI that you resize to, or do you? <laughs> I'm not the person to ask this question. <laughs> you know, like, like, uh, you know. Okay, I... let me readjust. I'm turning my chair. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not fair. <laughs> you know, because like when I when I yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say you brought up um, um, Andrew Darlow, a, a great guest on the show, and he's got a, a really good website that's got a lot of great information on printing called the imagingbuffet.com or buffet.com so it's worth checking out the answer to the question is on that on that uh, site so. <laughs> there you go perfect <laughs> I, would, I would say one of the keywords here is going to be interpolation 
and the real magic is in the printing process because i mean just a couple of days ago i was at the smithsonian in washington dc they had another exhibit of you know greatest shots of 2008 and i was looking at this like four foot wide print that was just absolutely gorgeous that was shot on a 20d and, and you know that you know what's coming out of the camera is not going to print that way under normal circumstances without some some real magic in the printing and output process right i think we need we need to pose this to scott Bourne because i've got some prints of his that he shot with a 10d and a 20d yeah. that are i think at 11 by 14 or something and they're tack sharp and beautiful so he's got to got to have some secret recipe on how he's doing that yeah yeah, the uh, um, I, I I just don't print that often. And if I print, usually I send it to uh, I have my little books made. <laughs> I, I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say minion. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I I I don't I don't have anyone print for me. But, but print, I just don't print, print that often. Like I, I I literally my my dream <laughs> my dream for the house is to have a whole bunch of little LCD. Um, um, uh, picture frames all you know rather than having like still still images <laughs> so i can just change the photos all the time i'm not that interested in having I, i'm just not that interested in printing anymore and and so it, i was just gonna ask you fred so your question was like what deep what uh dpi or P, dpi ppi that you set your 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 file to for printing was that was yeah that so if i'm if i'm going out i've got a i got a, a 3800 and i want to print an 11 by 14 print you know, to yeah. that printer, what should I set my DPI at? Should it be 150, I, I, 300, I have, or? I have, used, I have used a few little magic numbers, and I have used, and I've printed, got beautiful results with my 3800 at 266 and 240, the minimum. Ooh. So, um, I had heard that if you go much beyond 266, it's kind of lost between the dots, and, and that's a bit of a sweet spot for, you know, the biggest print that printer will allow you to do. Of course, I've also heard, you know, if you're making giant prints with a bigger printer, you can get away with less, like 180 or something. But, uh, but I think 266 you, is, uh, you, is a good sweet spot. Uh, you, need to, you need to kind of check it on a given printer because there's, there's a bunch of different things that are kind of fighting against each other. There's sort of, you know, the potential for the printer kind of doing some interpolation. There's different places where it can sort of say, you know, resize to fit this frame. So you, you kind of need to, to do a test with a given printer, just little tiny pieces, but, you know, like crops from an image uh, and play around with it a little bit and you'll find sort of what ends up working best. From what I understand, DPI ceases to be terribly black and white with a lot of modern inkjet printers because of the way they lay their dots down, too. I mean, there are layers upon layers of dots that are done in ways that, that cause the normal DPI measurements to not even really quite fit what we're thinking. Yeah. So, so it's, I don't know if we answered the question or not, but, uh, <laughs> but we did say a lot of words. So we, we there was there was there was, a, there was a very high DPI in in uh, in the answer. So uh, now the, the uh, we want to make sure that we uh, we thank uh, Drobo for their support of uh, of of. Hey, I, I I hear I hear something amazing has occurred. Oh my gosh, think, Steve, is it true? I, think I know what you're referring to. Steve, have you yes. turned on your Drobo? I have, I have, oh, he's and droopy. just like my grandmother kept the plastic on the couch, I still have the plastic on the cover of the Drobo, <laughs> but I can see the lines through it. I got two green. green we're going to get to that base. next week, right? We're going to get next week. We're taking the. We're going to take the plastic off the Drobo. Exactly. But no, it's it's working flawlessly. I I have a sort of a feeling of calm now. It's, my it's, blood it's, pressure's it's, dropped. You're you're feeling um, droopy. Droopy. I'm feeling droopy, and I've I've got two um, green lights, which means I've only got two bays going, but uh, I'm planning on filling in the other two with uh, inexpensive a one terabyte drive. So I'll bring it up to four terabytes, which will give me, I guess, a little under three terabytes uh, worth of uh, 
space. Yeah. The, so yes. You know the uh, um, the I just can't believe uh, the price of drives. You know the the one yeah. terabytes now are, have, have dropped below below a hundred dollars. Nope. You know for the Amazing. internal for the internal um, for the internal drives. And I should know. I, I bought twenty before I came here. And uh, yeah. whoop. And uh, uh, it starts to really add up. But I'm just, you know, I, I don't know where the where the bottom is. <laughs> and where where are you buying those drives from, Alex? Uh, yeah, uh, I think that the the best prices are at Newegg. In oh, general, okay. I think that it, has anyone found better prices than Newegg? Um, those are the I ones I'm not- seeing mentioned everywhere. Yeah, I mean Newegg is the, is where you know the and there's different. Now the one thing is is there are different differences in drives. Uh, regarding speed, um, so like for instance, there's like three different caviar drives. There's the blue, there's the green, and there's the black. And the black will be the most expensive. And a lot of that has to do with the buffer. And the buffer will increase the speed of the drive. I mean, it'll increase the throughput of the drive. So um, the black has 32 um, 32 megs of uh, of buffer space. So that just allows it to kind of build up as it's giving giving stuff back and, back and forth to the computer. Uh, the um, uh, the green have 16, and uh, the blue, I believe, have 8. Uh, and so when you get these really cheap drives, you do want to pay attention a little bit. That's the one thing that we look at is we don't always buy 32s, but we definitely always buy 16s. You will notice a, a market difference in the performance. But I do want to say that performance may not be what you're necessarily looking for. I actually buy the... Uh, smaller buffer stuff, which also tends to run cooler and quieter. Oh, interesting! Because it's more of a backup device for me. Right. So, you know, I, for for me, I would rather have you know lower power consumption, quieter, cooler drives that uh, you know I'm, I'm, I don't care how fast I'm running to them because it's sort of an offline process. Right. Right. Yeah. And and it's yeah uh, the yeah, we kind of go into the middle as I said. We don't really want to get we don't really get the big ones, but we don't get the small ones. And for us, sometimes even backup. You know, uh, on a typical week uh, in the Pixel Core, we'll be backing up uh, anywhere from two to five terabytes of information. So we, uh, um, so how long that takes becomes important to us. Uh, but I know with our Drobos, with the, they have a lot of the kind of general assets. Uh, we have a whole bunch of the USB Drobos, uh, which we've been really happy with, and the speed. You know, it it happens sometime overnight, but it doesn't really matter when. And uh, so I think that that's the uh, that's the big advantage there. Um, you know, of course, uh, Drobo, just for people who haven't listened to the show, is uh, redundant against hard drive failures. Uh, expandable at any time. Uh, you can uh, use any different size hard drive. So Steve could, for instance, get one terabyte and then add 1.5 terabytes to it or, or 500s if he just wanted to fill it out. And uh, it'll all work just fine, which is a lot better than a RAID 5, in my opinion. And uh, it's just easy to plug and play. You can get $25 off uh, the... Uh, um, uh, the Drobo, uh, the the USB ones are no longer available, um, but the uh, you can get them uh, uh, the FireWire 800 if you go to drobo.com/twip. So um, definitely uh, definitely check that out. And um, so thank you very much for for uh, your support, Drobo, and and uh, keeping us very droopy. The um, uh, we have we have more Q and A here. Uh, we've got another question here from Steve Block. Uh, it said uh, he's, he's um, he said in the near future I will be on a ship in the middle in the middle of the ocean, and I am looking forward to taking some pictures of sunrises and sunsets. Do you guys have any tips or suggestions uh, for what you have to do to take these types of fo- uh, photos on a moving ship? He says he has a Canon Rebel XTI and uh, with an 
uh, with an EFS 18 to 55 millimeter lens and an EF 75 to 300. Um, so do you guys have any, and he said other equipment uh, will include a tripod and a flash. Um, do you guys have any uh, suggestions for shooting on a ship? Have you guys shot much on a ship? For, for, the, uh, for the sunsets, you won't use either the tripod or the flash. There you go. <laughs> no, unfortunately, he doesn't have a uh, lens with, with uh, image stabilization on it. But, you know, it's, I mean, if you're shooting sunsets and stuff like that, you've got a fair amount of light. So the only trick is going to be, you know, make sure your shutter speed is not too, too slow. Does, does polarization become an important thing here? You know, when you're out, out on the water? It, potentially, you know, if you're if you want if you are shooting the water as part of what you're getting there, and you want to control the reflections you're seeing, then uh, yeah, and depending on the angle of the sun, uh, polarizers are very useful. Right. So, in, any other suggestions for uh, for our um, ocean photographer? You know that that tripod thing is an interesting uh, an interesting thing to think about because if if it's anchored on the ship, but if the ship's moving, it's probably not going to do any good. Just like recently, we were on the Brooklyn Bridge, and you know photographers had tripods. But if you've been on the Brooklyn Bridge, it vibrates because it's like you know it's kind of a highway underneath it, and so the tripod really basically doesn't work uh, in that situation. But what about with the image stabilizer? In the lens? I mean, would you want a handhold with that or a tripod with that? That's a good question. I think, you know, it probably wouldn't would matter. Maybe, yeah, handhold would probably be better. Because you can't use the image stabilizer with a tripod, right? I mean, it's, I think, you're not well, it depends to... on the lens. Uh, I know Canon's yeah, higher not... L-class lenses have two different, they actually have two different image stabilizer switches on them, one of which is for tripod mount and one's for handheld mount. Because ah. apparently the tripod, if you put it on a tripod, you actually get feedback in a way, from what I yeah, understand. Well, the... Specifically, the two settings are if you're on if you're planning to do something like panning with a tripod, mm-hmm. so it sort of biases it towards uh, motion in just a single direction kind of okay. thing. So, so if, if you had normal normal stabilization turned on, it would try to compensate for that pan, and you get these sort of jerkiness as it went as far as it could, and then it would try to catch up. So that second mode on on the IS lenses, at least on the Canons, is is designed. If you've got you know you've got a a gimbal head or something set up, and you're you know say you're you're panning to try and track somebody, uh, the image stabilization will still take care of like vertical bumps, even though you're doing a horizontal pan. Yeah, Makes Nikon sense. says uh, turn off the VR on a tripod. I I do believe that's their sort of universal statement, yeah. unless they've got more than one type of system which i don't think they do so see i think i would take a very i would put it on the ship i put it on a tripod and turn it on a very long exposure to see what i got yeah let's have some fun now it's an interesting effect because what if you what you would do is you would if you wanted to capture part of the ship in the picture it would be a way to lock down the camera relative to the ship right background would still move which could be kind of cool Good point. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so, um, so though hopefully that that helps. Uh, we've got a got a question here for from uh, Mark uh, Patron Patron or Patroni. Uh, he is um, he's he said I'm 15 years old and just starting to get into photography. He said I saved up uh, a lot recently and bought a 40D with a Sigma 18 to 200 uh, OS. Uh, that's awesome. And I will be going to China in the spring. And my question is, what advice do you have for young photographers just getting started? Yeah. See, my first point would be make sure that 
his equipment is insured under his family's uh, homeowner's policy. Sound like he'd work he worked his butt off to to get yeah. this stuff and you know god forbid something bad happened to the equipment um at least he knew that it would be covered and you know he wouldn't have to start from scratch. So Right. So so take care of the camera. That's number 1. Any other <laughs> any other uh any other uh suggestions there? I would throw some in the two ring. Yeah, I, mean, I, would, I would say that he should, you know, if he hasn't already bought a camera bag that uh, don't get the most glossy, beautiful-looking, uh, hey, I have an expensive camera in this bag, bag. If he's going to be traveling abroad, I would get something like a crumpler or something right. less, uh, less obvious, you know, that's, that, you know, something that says this, this might have junk in it kind of thing right. and carry that around. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm a big fan of not having my, especially when I get out uh, into an area where I might be a target, is to make something look like a, just a regular bag or put it in a regular bag, but... Uh, you yeah. want to have it padded somehow, but you want to make sure that it doesn't look like uh, like it is what it is. Um, once you take it out and start shooting, you know the the uh, <laughs> the jig is up. So uh, especially if it's a D three, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but that one that, that's just because you have to use a crane to get it out out of the uh, out of the. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I would, what assistance are for? You know, well, the thing is, is when is when you're shooting. Here's my question: is when you're shooting with the D3 and you're and you're and you're like backing up to get a photo, you know, to to get to kind of get everything in frame. Does it make the yeah. beeping noise? You know, like. <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I think that's a feature. It's got a little. It's got a little yeah. accelerometer in there. When you start backing up, and just make sure you're not gonna fall over. You know, and, and if, because if you fell backwards, yeah. it might fall on you and crush your head. You know, I mean, that's the you D, have to be careful. The D3X, I think, has that. <laughs> the little spinning red siren. So I think I think the only the only suggestion that I would give is is uh, this is um uh this is a a suggestion uh that that was given to me it's it's wisdom that was handed to me by another photographer uh i i asked i think i've talked about this on the show before so i'll make it quick but the uh paul houston is a matt matt painter at ilm and uh and i asked him how to shoot texture maps and he said well take a lot of film take a lot of photos <laughs> you know the, i i would i would totally add to that because i think that makes sense and i would tell young mark who's going over to china you know bring twice as many if he can you know cards that yeah. he that he would have with him or you know and or storage because obviously right. he's gonna have to somehow download this stuff just so that he doesn't have to worry about running out of room both yeah. you know on the cards or on the thing and to focus try and focus on the people which you know i i think you know people are generally you know even in china where they kind of maybe are i've never been but you know they're watching you a little closer but you know they're they're often Often, you know, of course, the scenery is going to be everywhere and will be easier to get. But people pictures are, are often, you know, more satisfying when you get back and you, you know, you, you, yeah, you even, see. The- yeah, I would totally agree with that. Even, even more than just saying focus on the people, just focus on getting a slice of life representation of that. You know, I, I, I think I've said this before where I went and had a bunch of stuff scanned from uh, my first trip to Europe when I was in college, my semester abroad kind of thing. And, you know, for me... I was trying to get the iconic shots of everything, but the stuff that's really interesting interesting to me now is, you know, friends I was hanging out with, hanging out in the cafes, the inside of the hotel room I was in, you know, weird stuff like that. It's just purely memory. You're not making great art, but you're it, it ends up being more interesting to you years later. 
And you guys could probably relate to this, but, you know, if you had some little giveaway, I know, you know, and Alex, I know when you're in Africa, when I'm in Africa, I'll bring little stickers, you know, my fiance is a, a grade school teacher and kids love stickers, you know, so I'll bring some, you know, for kids or if there's little like pins or something, something really cheap that would be meaningful to the people you encounter in faraway places like China, you know, maybe now little Obama pins or something <laughs> you know, or little American flags, you know, something like that. Right. Right. The uh, yeah. The uh, uh, in in Africa it was pens. Pens are very uh, uh, you know. It was so yes. funny. A, a, a kid would would come. You know, kids would come up to you in the rural area, and they wouldn't ask for money. They wouldn't ask for candy. They wouldn't ask. They asked for pens so they can keep up with school. You know, and I, I had a bag with two hundred pens in the back, and um, just just you know ballpoint pens, uh, uh, and uh, and I would just hand them out like like candy. You know, that's so much better than stickers. That could change their life. A sticker is only going to be like Well, and the, the, the thing that I got into, the, the thing that I was doing in Africa a lot when I went into the, into the villages was to um, take a, a Polaroid camera mm. and take photos and hand them to people while I was taking, you know, so I would take a photo for me and then I'd take a photo for them and I could just hand them the photo. The problem, of course, is you get halfway through that and then you run out of Polaroids and it's yeah. very, very awkward. Yeah. And so uh, that was the... The reality that's set in. If his experience will be anything like mine, just being out of his element, particularly coming from a Western culture and going there, it's going to be one of the most inspiring things to him anyway. I mean, there'll be so many things around him that are so different. I, I find I get a lot of my best photography when I'm traveling if I'm completely outside of my normal environment. And I think that one thing that you have to, there's two, there's two things of taking lots of photos for me anyway, is uh, one is to a pay attention to the country that I'm in and the sensitivities that that country has about photography. So, um, uh, so you just have to be careful of, you know, in, in some countries there are, like if you're around government buildings, um, oftentimes, even in the United States, you, you'll get attention. Um, and in some other countries, and I don't know what it's like in China, you can get a lot of attention um, um, by taking pictures with government buildings in the background. Um, and of soldiers and of police and of those are kind of things that you just want to be aware of. Um, you know, uh, I, I usually will watch to see if other people are taking photos before I will. Um, but the second thing is, is to get out of my comfort zone around taking pictures of people. You know, I mean, or taking pictures of whatever I want to take pictures of. You know, a lot of times I can find myself feeling very uh, self-conscious about, um, you know, I have a little blog on uh, Vox uh, or alexlindsay.vox.com. And I have a couple photos from Japan, you know, up there. I'm going to put some more up. And uh, but I know I want to take pictures like showing how I ordered my meal. And, you know, there's it's a restaurant full of, uh, you know, Japanese businessmen doing their know having their lunch and uh, and i'm sitting there snapping photos being an obvious obvious tourist but you know and, and it was part of me that didn't want to do it you know i didn't want to take the photo but then i was like you know i i you know this is my experience and this is something i want to capture and there's nothing wrong with capturing it and i think that you know being able to get out of that uh that safety zone i think is an important part of you know getting photos yeah, I, I would just add to that. I think that's a huge point, Alex, and especially for a young 15-year-old, I think you just have to maybe get a little outside your comfort zone, be a little bold, and you will not be um, sorry because chances are, you know, that's going to lead not only to better pictures, but maybe uh, more encounters with, with people and more meaningful, a more meaningful trip you know, for the most part. And, you know, it's sort of like getting into cold water. At first, it's a little uncomfortable, but once you're in, it's okay. And and I think he will not be sorry if he, you know, as you said, Alex, just gets a little out of his, his comfort zone and 
if he didn't and comes back and looks at the image and they're all far away and he was a little bashful, um, he'll be unhappy. And I, I think a lot of photographers are kind of shy people and the camera's the excuse to, to get into uh, situations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. I think the camera... Uh, in a lot of ways becomes your passport, you know, because if you're, if you're in, especially when you're traveling, because if you're, you're traveling and you don't have a camera with you, you're just another tourist that's, uh, you know, that, you know, is just looking at stuff. But if you have a camera there and he's got his D90 with him, you know, that's, uh, that's like, okay, I have an excuse for wanting to speak to you. So I'm going to go over there and engage this, this person selling things to get a picture of them. And the camera is the universal sort of, it's okay. I'm not trying to do anything nefarious here you know so I, I think it's it's it'll be a good trip for this 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 young gentleman yeah something to be said too for your uh, for your body language when you do it that's how confident or sheepish you are in your approach i think that's a lot that's a that's a, that's actually a um <laughs> a, a, a life in general kind of con- you know thing is uh you know um, i had a problem when i was uh i used to officiate little league baseball which is a very a very dangerous thing job to do and uh and I would just kind of hold up my hand as out or safe, you know, and people would yell at me and they'd scream at me. You know, these parents are crazy. And, um, <laughs> I mean, they, they really are, you know, and, and, uh, and my, my, uh, my father, you know, suggested that I really, you know, I watch professional baseball, uh, umpires and these guys go crazy. I mean, they, they practically, you know, they're, they're like doing like umpire martial arts out there. Well, he's safe. He's out. And I, I started doing that. And no one argued with me anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, was, it was an amazing lesson in life <laughs> is that you know if you just sound like you're sure uh you yeah, know like really no. really sure and and so i think that, that's another great point i mean you you feign confidence yeah. and people believe you and then before you know you have confidence and you know photojournalists you know you're often slinking into situations if you go in like you own the place in a sense you're kind of you know looking for a golden globe you're being an actor right and you're going in looking like you you fit and 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 it's not a, not a problem right. but the other thing that i just thought of and you're in japan alex is also do a little research understand the customs you're entering into so that you don't you know maybe do something that you were unaware you know can can cause problems in terms of the culture and that's and that that doesn't take long to research either just take your shoes off that's all i gotta say no, I, I don't know if it's like in China, but in, in Japan, it was. I walked into somebody's apartment with my shoes on. I, I think it looked yeah. as if they acted as if I had I had walked through manure and then walked into their, into their house. <laughs> you so, may have, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Alex, Alex, how can all the traveling you've done? How can you not know that you need to take your shoes so off? So I just, Japanese just house? in my own defense, in my own stuff. defense, in my own defense, it, it, I was carrying a hundred thousand uh, dollar deck. I had. We had been on set for 18 hours, and I had had four hours of sleep. And I was, I was just trying to set it down, you know. And I, and I stepped over the ledge. There's like a little ledge when you walk into all these apartments. And oh, I, yeah. and I took like three steps over the, three or four steps over the lens. And the editor's like, ah, "Can you take your shoes off?" <laughs> did, did they say the word? Did they say the word "baka" at no. any point? <laughs> I don't remember. That. How about American bastard? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think. She did say that that was uh she said she's been she's been now teaching me swear words and uh and uh and i think that some of those now are starting to be more familiar like oh she said that the other day when i was uh <laughs> so anyway uh so yeah definitely look at the customs uh and that br- thanks, thanks for representing in japan there, Alex. <laughs> 
appreciate it. Hey, I, I just want to say I only did it once, and now I'm extremely careful about it. You know, so it's uh, it's I, I haven't. And I'm, I kind of like it actually. I'm kind of now now that I'm used to it. Um, anyway, so uh, uh, next week uh, we we don't know what we're going to talk about next week. It'll 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 be something good. Uh, we're we're working on it, and uh, so um, we're gonna. I think we're gonna pick a theme, but we don't know what the theme is. If if you know what the theme is, send a, uh, send us a twip photo. Go to twipphoto.com and uh, send us a comment and. Uh, and uh, we're taking taking orders. We'll have it figured out by Monday, and then we'll be doing it on Friday. So, um, so take uh, take note there. Uh, and uh, coming between the weeks, uh, this between this one and the next one, we will have the Greg Downing video. So uh, uh, stay tuned on there. And we hope to see some photos of Steve Strobo running. You know, oh, we're really? Very excited. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody told me about that, but yeah, I, I could do that. I'm Good. a photographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So, so do that. Does anyone have a tip for the week? Um. Okay. How about? If you haven't shot in more than a week, when you do your schedule this week, schedule in an hour of shooting time. Yes. I'm going to do that. You should too. Is that a tip? That's a great tip. Yes. Schedule time. Get out there. Get shooting. Ron, where can people find you? Uh, on the Twitters. Ron Brinkman. B-R-I-N-K-M-A-N-N. Two N's. Uh, uh, two N's at the end. Four N's total. How many Ron and the Brink? <laughs> 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 Now it's complicated. <laughs> now no one can remember. Okay, now what am I supposed to do? Where do I go from here? I, I don't there should understand. be twelve ends. I, I, can I buy a vowel? No. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> or or my blog digitalcomposting.com, and I I have a, a half written, somewhat photography related post that I promise I will have up by the time the show airs. It's kind of fun. Oh, very good. Fred, where can people find you? People can find me also on the Twitters. Uh, my my username there is Frederick Van F R E D E R I C K V A N, and also on my blog at uh, FrederickVan.com. Very good, Steve Simon. Where can people find you? Uh, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter slash. <laughs> well, just one of them, or send it three times. Uh, slash Steve Simon, or my S's, website. Right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh yeah, one on, one on the Steve, one on the Simon. <laughs> Don't uh, mess it up. Um, and uh, stevesimonphoto.com. And Aaron, where can, it, do you have your own? You have your uh, your own area that you're posting a lot of stuff. Um, on my blog, uh, halfpress.com. H a l f p r e s s dot com. I love that. And I my, love uh, that URL. Name is Half Press as well. How long did? How long ago did you get that that URL? Such a great URL. Ooh, it's been a few years. Put a lot of thought into it too. Yeah, yeah. Definitely put a lot of thought into that one. That and the fact that you can, you know, randomly bang your fingers on the keyboard and and whatever <laughs> put .com on is probably already taken. Exactly. That's that that that's that's why having something that actually makes sense uh, is uh is hard to find. So um, anyway, everybody, until next week, uh, it, you could take that lens cap right off and start shooting. <laughs>